Amen, amen. Hey, y'all give it up for the kids that were part of that video. Don't forget to bring Jesus mac and cheese pizza in this season, okay? Uh, my name is uh, AC. I am the NCC Forney Campus Pastor, and as always, it is an honor to be with you guys today and share the Word of God with you. Uh, let me pray with you before we get started to prepare our hearts to receive from the Lord this morning. Father, we thank you, God. Uh, it is such an honor and, and such a, a blessing to be in your house, God, to be able to worship with others, Lord. No matter the condition that we come into this place with, we know one thing is for sure, is that your arms are open to receive us today. God, we know that you are a God that desires to speak to us. You, you want a relationship with us, and, and so today we believe that you have a word for us, God. I pray that if there are any distractions or anything that is trying to get in the way of what you want to bring, God, to transform our lives, I pray that we lay it at your feet right now. God, we intentionally position our hearts to receive from you this morning. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, we are in a series called Simple Christmas, and as you can tell, even the setup is different inside of the sanctuary, right? Even our worship is different. Didn't our worship team do an amazing job this morning? Can we give it up for them? Man, you guys, you guys always catch me off guard, but we're, we're doing a, a series called Simple Christmas, and Pastor Aaron started off last week talking about a simple promise, and we focused on the fact that us as human beings are not the best at keeping promises many times, Right? But one of the things that we love about the character of God is that when he promises to do something, he's going to follow through. Even if we don't see it, even if the things that are in front of us right now do not point in that direction that God's going to come through, he will come through. Why? Because the Bible says that he is not man, that he should lie. And we see that in the story of Jesus, that all throughout the Old Testament, there were prophecies and promises from God that I am bringing the Savior, and I am bringing a Redeemer. And then you read in the New Testament how when Jesus walked this earth, it is believed that he fulfilled over 300 of those promises from the Old Testament. Today, we're talking about a simple people, a simple people. And by the way, if you have a booklet, there's uh, two options on how you can take notes this morning. I highly, highly recommend that you take notes. Write down something that stands out to you. Write down something that God speaks to you. You can scan the QR code or you can write on the lines that are empty there in your booklet. I'm going to start off reading 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. And if you have your Bibles, you can open that up, whether it's on your phone. Um, if you have a physical Bible, extra points for you today. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26 through 31. For you see, your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen in the things which are not to bring nothing to the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence. But of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. 
We just read a lot there. And what I'm going to do is I want to read it in the message translation for you this morning so we really understand what the Apostle Paul was saying there to the church of Corinth. I want you to pay attention because it almost sounds like he's insulting them, but he's going somewhere. Look at what it says in the message translation. Take a good look, friends, at who you were when you got called into this life. I don't see many of the brightest in the best among you. Somebody say, ouch. Not many influential, not many from high society families. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? He chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of somebodies. That makes it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking and right living and a clean slate and a fresh start comes from God by the way of Jesus Christ. That's why we have the saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. God, Paul was writing to the church of Corinth, and to give you some context here of what he's saying and why he was saying those words to them, is the church of Corinth was known to value. They had their own definition of what a somebody was, just like we have our own definition of what we consider a somebody to be. In those times, the church in Corinth looked at people that were well-spoken, that were eloquent in speaking, whether it was a lawyer or somebody that was good at public speaking. These were somebodies. That's who they valued. And so when Paul is speaking, he's saying, when I look among the crowd of who Christ is using to spread the gospel in this area, I don't see many of you that are considered somebodies in the eyes of your culture. It's not that there weren't people in that group that God had called that, weren't, that were good at speaking. He's saying, but when I look at the majority of you, not many of you are special in what your culture considers special to be. You think about our culture, right? What defines a somebody? If you have talent, if you have fame, if you have wealth, if you grew up in a certain family, if you have a certain degree, then you are a somebody. Anybody else, we kind of overlook and just say, nothing special about them. All throughout Scripture, we see the character of God displayed in this way, that very often God chooses simple people. Let me repeat that. Very often, God chooses simple people. And what I mean by simple people, people that would cause others to go, what's so impressive about him or her? What's so special about that person that God would call them? Why them? And the Christmas story is a perfect example of this. God has endless options as to who he can reveal the birth of Christ to. He could have chosen a king. He could have chosen someone of influence. He could have chosen someone of stature, and yet who he chooses to announce the birth of Christ are shepherds. Shepherds, you guys. To give you an idea of why I say it in that way, shepherds in those times were looked as loners. They were looked as stinky because you were out on the fields around sheep all day long. You were separated from everybody else, so you were considered a nobody. People didn't even know that shepherds existed. That's how they were looked at in that time, and yet that's who God chooses to reveal the birth of Christ to first, our shepherds. God chooses simple people. 
We read in the story of, of David when he was anointed to be king. The Bible says that God sent the prophet Samuel to this guy Jesse's house. And, and Jesse had many sons. And as the prophet Samuel arrives to anoint the next king, the Bible says that seven of Jesse's sons passed before him. And God's like, I haven't chosen any one of them. And I can imagine that Samuel was probably confused, like, God, did you send me to the wrong place? Did I take the wrong turn? And so Jesse, uh, Samuel asked Jesse, do you have any more sons? I mean, there's got to be somebody else. There's no way that God made a mistake. And he says, well, there's the youngest, but he's tending sheep. As if to say there's not anything important or special about him. And he says, we're not moving until you call him. And the moment that David walks up, the Bible says, anoint him. God says, anoint him. That is the next king. We see the character of God displayed throughout the Bible that he chooses simple people. You look at the main characters of the Christmas story. Let's talk about Mary for just a second. We don't know much about her, but the New Testament reveals to us that she was a young virgin girl, not a princess, not a queen, not a person who had stature in the world's eyes, and yet God chooses her to bring about the birth of Christ. We look at Joseph the earthly father of Jesus. We don't know much about him as well, but we know that he lived in Nazareth, and we believe that he was some form of carpenter, and, and he was obedient to God. That's about as much as we know about Joseph. And yet God chooses him to be a part of the miracle of the Christmas story. And then we look at Jesus, how he was born, born in a manger. He lived his life taking the position of a servant, and he goes on to die a horrible and humili humiliating death on a cross. To give you an idea of Jesus' a perspective in his view and how he was viewed, Philippians 2.6 says this, Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He could have come to this earth and said, do you know who I am? I am God. I'm not going to be born in a manger. You better put me in a palace with the finest linens, right? That's the position that he could have taken. No, it says that he, he made himself nothing. He made himself, meaning that it was the choice. He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in the human, human likeness, Philippians 2.6. This is who God chooses to bring about the miracle of Christmas. All the people that in the world's eyes would be considered nobodies. No status, no fame, no wealth. God chooses simple people. I love what we read. It says in 1 Corinthians in the message version, it says, Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks? Have you ever felt overlooked? Have you ever felt like you don't exist? Have you ever felt like there's nothing special about you and why would God call me? It says, the people that are overlooked, exploited, and abused, those are the people that God chose nobodies. When you look at that word nobody, it's translated as the people that the world doesn't even know exist. That's who God chose to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies. If there's ever been a season in my life where the enemy has tried to attack in this way my life and reminding me, like, who do you think that you are? It's right now. As Debbie and I are getting ready to step out and lead this campus in Forney, the enemy has been throwing all kinds of 
attacked on my mind about who do you think you are. And the part of the story that I'm going to share with you guys was something that I wasn't always comfortable sharing in public. So you would think that because God gave a a word to my parents when I was a kid that he had a calling on my life, that it was an easy road for me. And, hey, I'm always going to be a pastor, and and I'm always going to be doing some form of ministry, and I'm never going to struggle with doubts or, or, or insecurity or anything like that, but it hasn't been the case. I knew that God had a calling on my life. But isn't it interesting that sometimes we allow to the world to define what a somebody is instead of allowing God to define what a somebody is? So here's a little of my story. When I knew I had a calling, I graduated high school, and I knew God has called me to, to ministry in some way. So what makes sense? I need to go to Bible college. Guys, I tried three times to go to Bible college. Latin American Bible Institute in San Antonio, that was the first option. I filled out my application, I sent in, finances fell through. And I'm talking to God and I'm like, but you've called me to ministry, I have to go to Bible college. I tried going to Christ for the Nations Institute here in Dallas. I toured the place. I said, God, this is it because you have a calling on my life to be in ministry. Finances fell through. I finally forced myself to go to Southwestern Assemblies of God University for one year. And the night before I'm getting ready to go to school and, and, and live on campus, I could not sleep. I'm restless. I have no peace. So much so, you guys, that that night I called into a live radio show that was doing prayer and I actually got picked. And the guy's like, hey, what's your need? I'm like, I'm getting ready to go to Bible college tomorrow and I have no peace about it. And he says, I think you really need to listen because it might be God speaking to you. But because I was more concerned about culture defining what I was supposed to do, I pressed on. And that verse that says that all things work together for good for those that, are, that, are, that love the Lord and are called to his purpose, I saw that lived out when I went to Sagu because I wasn't meant to be there, yet God still used it for a good purpose. I got into unnecessary debt. Thank God it's paid off. But I wasn't meant to be there. And you would think that after that I would say, okay, God, I'm going to do things your way. I came back and I'm like, I- I've got to have something, so I got to go to school, I got to go to college. And by the way, I'm not saying college is, is not the right thing to do. You just need to listen to God more than anything. Three times I tried to go to college and get a degree. I applied at the Art Institute of Dallas because I thought I was going to do visual merchandising or some kind of interior design. It's silly now to think, yeah. And that fell through. I ended up going to Eastfield College, you guys, but I could never get past remedial math, core 001. I still remember the course number because it was an embarrassment that I couldn't even get over to the ones. And I just remember sitting in class one day, and, and, and classes going on, this is when I was taking classes in the evening, and I just felt like, okay, God, I'm listening to you. This is not what I'm supposed to do. I get up, I walk out, and I never looked back. But I had all these different ways that I felt like, God, this is not traditional. And it drove me crazy that God would take me down a path that would not be considered traditional to become a pastor. Who am I that you would call me? So when we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 31, that if anyone should boast, he should boast in the Lord. I had no choice but to boast in the Lord because there was no degree that I could bring before people. 
You know what's funny is, I, I was talking to Debbie about this, God has always put me in positions, whether it's promoted to management or, or leading teams, that, that cause people to ask me, what school did you go to? What degree do you have? And before, I used to beat around the bush and create this big story about, well, this or that and, and this or that, because I couldn't own up to the fact that I didn't go to college and I didn't have a Bible degree, that I didn't have a degree in general. But what I've learned is that although, although I don't have a degree, I have a calling from my creator. I have a heart that's fully surrendered to him. And I believe this is what God spoke to me. I'm being honest and transparent with you. God spoke to me this week and he said, there are going to be people that have a hard time being pastored by you because you didn't go to Bible college. But that's okay. Those aren't the people that I've called you to pastor. I've called you to pastor people that say, hey, I don't care how God wants to do it or who he wants to do it through, but just do it. Listen, I'm sharing my story because there are some of you sitting right now or you're watching online and you're saying, why would God call me? Why would God choose me? Let the Christmas story be a reminder that God has chosen and chooses simple people. People with imperfections, people without the perfect family, people who don't have the best upbringing, people who feel talentless, people who feel like screw-ups. Here's my question for you this morning. What's kept you paralyzed from walking in God's calling over your life? Is it the mistakes that you've made? Is it maybe like me that God has taken you through an uncommon path and you don't feel worthy of that calling? Is it lies spoken over you that you've believed and have kept you paralyzed? Is it limiting beliefs? Is it allowing the world to define what makes you a somebody instead of allowing God to define what makes you a somebody? What has you paralyzed right now? I want you to really think about that for just a second. Because if the enemy can keep you disengaged, then he can keep you from moving forward in God's calling in your life. Every time you try to step out, those lies come into your head. And the enemy keeps you cornered and just say, just stay here, you're nobody. He chooses people that have never messed up. He uses people that have this degree. He uses people that have never made mistakes. You stay in your corner. You stay there. Don't do anything. And I believe that there are some of you that are in the corner right now because you've allowed these lies to paralyze you. In 19, between 1928 to 1942, a man named Cosmo Gordon Lang was the Archbishop of Canterbury. And in this time, there was no retirement age as when an archbishop would step back. But as, as, as Cosmo Gordon Lang reached the end uh, towards his late 70s, what he started to realize is that his health wasn't in the best condition. And he started to become frail. And so he decided to step away and retire. And in conversation with one of his colleagues, his real fear was exposed. A fear that you would think that by your late 70s, you would have already overcome. This is what he said. Having been somebody, I shall now be a nobody. How sad to live your whole life thinking that what you do, your title and position define who you truly are. To live thinking that what makes us a somebody is what we own, the title we have, the degree that we have, the money that we make, the house that we're living in, and to only reach the end of our lives and think, who am I? This week as I was preparing, I felt the Holy Spirit say this, that many of us are exhausted, worn out, 
because we're still playing a game that started in middle school. And it's this game of how can I impress people. It started in middle school, but we're still playing that game. How do you know you're playing that game? Because it's never enough. Don't get me wrong. Get your school on if that's what God's called you to do. Get your degree if that's what God's called you to do. I'm not saying that having nice things is bad. But when we check our heart and our motives, if the intention behind why we're going after things is because we want to impress people, there's something wrong there. And we're exhausted. I've got to work more hours in order to make more money, in order to buy that car, in order to get that house. I've got to get another degree because this isn't enough. I'm trying to impress somebody. I'm trying to impress somebody with my knowledge, with, with the things that I have and with the things that, that we own, and we are exhausted. The world will never give you the validation that you seek. It's a never-ending game. But let me remind you of this truth this morning. God chose you before you had anything and before you did anything. God chose you before you had a bachelor's degree or you had a master's degree. God chose you before you owned the house that you have now. God chose you before you had the job that you have now. God chose you before you had the sneakers or the clothes that you wear. He chose you before you had anything or did anything. Let me prove it to you. Ephesians 1.4 says, just as he chose us in him, before what? Before the foundations of the world. Before he created anything, before you had anything or did anything, God had chosen you that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Christmas is a reminder of how much God loves us. And I want to take a few minutes right now to speak to a specific person. If you're in person right now in this building or you're watching online and you've never heard the story of the gospel of Jesus, you don't have a relationship with him. Maybe you've heard of Jesus, you've been in church, you've even opened up your Bible, but you've never heard the story of what Jesus did for us and why it means so much. Let me just take a few minutes and share this with you. God is a holy God. He's perfect. No sin, no flaw. We have all sinned. The Bible says in the book of Romans that we all have fallen short of the glory of God, every single one of us. And that sin that's in our lives separated us from this holy God. And because of that sin, we deserve to be eternally separated from God in hell. To be separated from a holy God. That's the bad news. Here's the gospel. Here's the good news. One of the most quoted verses, John 3, 16, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. This is what Christmas is about. Jesus came to this earth. He lived the life that we could not live, and he died the death that we deserve to die. He took the punishment of sin that we deserved upon himself as he bled on a cross. So how are we saved from being eternally separated from God in hell? It's not by our good works. Romans 3.10 says, no one is righteous, no, not one. We are saved by putting our faith in Jesus and making him Lord and the sacrifice that he made for us. The book of Romans also says that if we believe in our hearts and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, that that's how we're saved. 
And I believe that there are people in this place and there are people watching right now that you're saying, I'm ready to make that decision. I've been doing things my way. He's definitely not Lord of my life. I don't have a relationship with him, but man, I'm tired of doing things my way and I'm ready to surrender to him. And if that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed and everyone joining, can you repeat this prayer after me? Especially if you're making Jesus your Lord this morning. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Forgive me of my sin. Make me new. Give me a new heart with new desires. And teach me how to live for you. I put my faith and my trust in you today. In your name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, can we give it up for those that are making that decision today for the first time? We love to remind you here at NCC that the word of God says that when one person gives their life to Jesus, heaven is rejoicing. We don't hear it and we don't see it, but there's a party happening right now for someone that has just surrendered their life to the Lord. Before we close, two things I want to leave with you guys. Number one is an action step. Write this down. This week, I want you to read the Christmas story found in Luke chapter 2. And I want you to ask this question, how are you speaking to me through this story, God? What part of this story is a reminder that he chooses simple people? Let me pray with you guys. Father, we thank you this morning. We know that you're in this place, God. God, thank you for sending Jesus. We don't want to go through this season forgetting, God, that he came and he lived the life that we could not live and he died the death that we deserve to die. But Father, let today and, and this season be a reminder that as we look at the people that you use, God, that you choose simple people. God, I pray that today be the beginning of us coming out of the corner that the enemy has had us trapped in and we start to step into the calling that you have for our lives. We walk boldly and with authority knowing that we have your Holy Spirit. We thank you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.